The Roundball Project is brought to you by Striptease, the one-stop shop for the discerning Australian football fan. They specialise in designing football-centric shirts, hoodies, phone cases and masks. Yes, masks. Plus a whole lot more so you can look as good around town as you do at the game. Find them at striptease.com.au. That's S-T-R-I-P-T-E-E-S dot com dot A-U. Enjoy the podcast. Did the fullback bring him down? First time, maybe even second time. Still we go on. Juric has dribbled his way clear. Welcome to the Round Ball Project. I'm your host, Neil Simons. And joining me is 52-time Socceroo, legend of Glasgow Rangers, World Cup goalscorer, uh, Premier League player with uh, Newcastle United and Crystal Palace, Richard Mujagladbach, Brisbane Raw Kavala. I can go on and on. Uh, he is now involved, the co-founder of the Golden Generation Group, established uh, just over a month ago. And they seek to bring uh, reform to our game. They've made waves in the media uh, for the proposal of FFA TV, as well as their desire for a change in the competition structure of Australian football. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on, Craig, and I hope you enjoy this uh, little chat we have today. Thanks for having us on, Neil. Uh, Mate, great intro. I'm glad you said 52 caps and not 52 years old. (laughs) Uh, Nice to be on. Of course. Craig, uh, we woke up this morning. Well, some of us woke up. Some of us uh, stayed up. Uh, We're recording this on the day that uh, we have received the rights to host the 2023 Women's World Cup. I'd say uh, many would uh, uh, allude this to that night in 2005. It's one of those moments where uh, Australian football has achieved something. Just describe your thoughts uh, waking up this morning. I'm not sure if you stayed up or waking up, obviously, but... uh, Describe your initial thoughts. Currently, obviously, it's only been about 12 hours since we found out that we're hosting uh, the second biggest football tournament in the world. Yeah, no, look, it's, a, it's been an amazing achievement, um, you know, for both Australia and New Zealand to, to be successful in the bid. There's been a, a lot of people behind the scenes that have uh, put in an enormous amount of work. Um, and the, the result um, of being to host this, this particular tournament, I think, is... Uh, enormous, um, you know, for for the game um, in this country. Uh, also, it will be a huge benefit uh, to New Zealand as well. Uh, it's just really a, a wonderful opportunity for what has been a, a really challenging time uh, for Australian football. But this certainly uh, was something that, um, you know, in the distance we kind of felt was um, achievable. And at the same time, when people were talking doom and gloom about Australian football, we always uh, have felt that there's a much brighter light and a, and a far positive uh, future for Australian football. So this is, is, is going to certainly be a, a great um, opportunity 
on the back of some fantastic news to continue to, to grow the game. And I guess the media coverage this week, I wouldn't say during the week it was that fantastic, but certainly it, it uh, heated up uh, yesterday and obviously today. Is this sort of the right direction for media coverage within our game? Or is it just sort of a one-time moment which we tend to, tend to, um, to see over, the, over these uh, big uh, footballing uh, moments within Australian football? Ah, look, in, in Australia, there's always, uh, there's always challenges. There always has been challenges in terms of media, um, in terms of uh, really um, hitting the spots that uh, the sport deserves. But at the same time, uh, there's a lot of, lot of good football journalists. There's a lot of good people that have pushed the game. Uh, and sometimes it uh, depends on what side of the fence you, you kind of sit in terms of media. Uh, you know, the, politically, there's challenges as to what coverage we, we do receive. But look, um, it's hard to hide uh, this, this type of news. Um, so therefore, it's playing a very central part in, in mainstream media, which is fantastic. And uh, it's certainly got a good lead into this particular tournament where I'm sure uh, the demand uh, will increase. Uh, and that's only good for the game that we're going to be reading and, and seeing a lot more about football in general. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. So, Craig, obviously, the Golden Generation Group was uh, its a very new uh, venture for, I guess, uh, us Australian football consumers. Describe what the goal of the Golden Generation Group is, how it came about, and uh, what's the goal uh, in the future? Well, look, the Golden Generation, I know you, from the, the beginning you touched on, is, is probably a month, a month old, but look, conversations um, and discussion around about what we believe it, it could look like started, uh, you know, a good four to five months ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, due to um, frustration in terms of uh, where the game was currently at, and, um, you know, that's why we've got such a, a strong group coming together to be able to... Um, you know, push the, push the game in the, in the right direction. Now, uh, we've obviously got a lot of ideas, as do a lot of people within the game, uh, in terms of what, uh, you know, Australian football should look like moving forward. And we've been very fortunate to have a fantastic relationship um, with James Johnson, who's come in and done a, a fantastic job. Um, you know, at that, the, the initial appointment coming into the perfect storm, really, with all the challenges that he faced. Um, but, you know, he, he definitely is a, is a football person and wants to make positive change. And for, that, for, for us, that that's, uh, is, is music to our ears because we know that uh, changes need to be na- uh, made within the game to be able to uh, provide more opportunity. Um, you know, and the golden generation uh, uh, are really keen to continue to, to push and explore and um, a lot of people in Australia, I think, have got the mentality of the, the glass being half empty. Uh, where we're, we're, we're the other side, you know, we, we in, in a positive light, look at it being half full. Mm-hmm. And uh, rather than say, oh, yeah, but we've been talking about that for 10, 15, 20 years. Well, no, we want to, we um, you know, push ideas. And then it's up to the people that are in the, the, the positions that can execute. And James Johnson has shown that he will execute the right decisions for the game. You saw those visions this morning of James Johnson and the rest of the uh, As One Bid Committee, just the, the pure elation in their faces, the, the amount of work that has gone into this bid. And I think it's a real testament to James Johnson and the, and the level of dedication he has to improving football in this country. It's been six months, but 
James Johnson's contribution to football uh, within this country has been of absolute paramount importance. And I guess just to go on to what you just said before, if you go into the about section of the website, uh, it says that, quote, we want to see those achievements replicated as a past into the future so that every generation of Australian football players, male and female, is a golden one. So mm-hmm. by setting the precedent for what a gold generation should be and the fact that you as a collective want to uh, build the next generations to the heights that you guys achieve, it, it's really admirable. And uh, it's, it's, the most self, it's the most selfless mentality in my view. Uh, I think I think the bonus at the moment with um, with the way that we're working is um, I don't believe there's too many people that are independent where we we truly are and yeah. uh, we mm-hmm. have we have obviously the best interest of of the game. There's no hidden agendas, and um, you know I, I I can be honest and say that for the first time in a long time I think with James Johnson uh, in charge that there will be change. Um, I know that he's, he's extremely driven um, and passionate about uh, leaving a legacy. And if I'm honest, uh, you know, the, the, the previous people that have been in, in the roles, uh, when I look about, you know, potentially what's been left as a legacy, I don't see a great deal. Um, whereas mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a great deal of confidence that James Johnson, however long he's involved in this particular role, will make change. He is, a, he is a football person at the end of the day, and uh, I'm sure we all have utmost conf- we have, we have utmost confidence that uh, that James will achieve tremendous success during his tenure. Uh, just in regards to those involved with the Golden Generation at the moment, you've got the likes of John Aloisi, Scott Chipperfield, mm-hmm. Jason Chilina, Benny Grella, uh, Kalach, uh, yourself, obviously, uh, Lucas Neal, Yosef Skoko, Viduga, and Luke, Luke Wilshire. Uh, many people uh, saw the name of Lucas Neal and sort of struck out to them. Uh, how, how involved is uh, Lucas Neal within the Golden Generation? We haven't heard much from him in the past couple of years. And uh, are you looking to add more players to the pre-existing crop that you currently have? Uh, look, this, this is something that um, will continue to, to grow. Um, you know, obviously, there's a, there's a group of us that have kind of started things up. But at the same time, we don't, we don't want to leave anybody out. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, former, um, past and present, Matildas, uh, also Socceroos players. We want to, we want to embrace the, the whole of football uh, because I don't believe that within this country there is somebody that truly re- represents the whole of football. Exactly. Uh, so, so posit in the next couple of years, we see the likes of uh, Matt Ryan or Aaron Moy joining this table as well. Any anybody that's that's for the green and gold is certainly uh, invited and, and and welcome to to be involved in 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 what we're trying to achieve. Like I says, the the the, the bigger the group of football minds that gives the ability to debate uh, and 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 come up with good ideas that then can be uh, delivered uh, to the right people that can um, execute. Then for me, it's a it's a positive for the game. Absolutely, and and just uh, just on Lucas. Uh, uh, it's, is there anything to, to really report though? It's just sort of been a very collective uh, decision-making process. Now, look, Lucas is very, is very active. I mean, I know, I know people may have not heard a, a great deal of Lucas Neal in, in uh, recent times. I'm certainly not one of them. I've, I've, I've always had a, a relationship and communicated with Lucas Neal. So he was uh, very excited about, um, you know, the golden generation and, and kind of what uh, the plans were. 
and he's, he's, he's very active and, and at the right time and place. Um, I'm sure people will get to see and hear a lot more of Lucas Neal. But, um, yeah, this is, this is a strength, I believe. This is a strength of our networks because there's been a lot of people that have tried um, to, to, to see what's happening. And, uh, you know, not only himself, you've got Mark Baduka as well. Whereas, and he's come out with a storm of, uh, of, of information, that's for sure. He's, uh, he's yeah. been very, very vocal. That's great. And all, the, yeah, all, the, all these people are just a phone call away for us. Exactly. Uh, you know, I think, and, uh, and, yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, a great, that's a great thing. That's a great thing about, um, you know, the golden generation is, is, is this is a group of people that um, experienced highs and lows, but um, really sort of like lived like brothers for a long, long period of time. And um, the networks and the ideas and the experience and the knowledge um, is sensational. So, and like I said, a lot of people spoke about, or, or you know, what they thought a Mark Maduka or Lucas Neal was up to. But like I said, we have the ability to, to bring these people uh, to the table and, and, and have them involved in the game, which nobody's been able to do previously. And I think that sort of brings to light the the level of commitment you guys have towards our game you know not many people want to continually stay involved and within this uh, ongoing and everlasting debate but the fact that there are there are a substantial amount of uh, former you know ex-players that are coming out and proposing these new ideas is is uh, the most amazing thing to me it shows that we are united as a football community we're beginning to become more united and uh, it, it's it's definitely a positive step in the right direction uh, in terms of uh, how you guys meet up, obviously, <laughs> being in the COVID-19 period, you wouldn't be having any uh, man-to-man uh, um, uh, discussions uh, in person. But uh, what are the meetings like? How often are they? And what's discussed within these meetings? Uh, look, we have, we have regular regular Zoom conferences. I think uh, that's been the norm for, for everybody, I think, during COVID. Um, and, and like I says, we you know we've got chat groups, so we're we're kind of in contact and, and speaking on a daily basis, and and mm. every 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 two to four weeks we, we we'll have a conference because it's nice to to see see people's faces, and um, kind of go through strategy and and you know when we when we saw it first launched, obviously we had our uh, areas of, of what we believe um, in terms of improvement wise for the game. You know, and that was down to obviously aligning the you know, aligning football, um, and obviously the the, the season. Uh, plus, you had uh, you know a review of the of the salary cap. Um, you've also got plans around about and discussion around about uh, promotion relegation in the in the future. So a lot of uh, a lot of different things, um, and like I says, we see that, that it's a real possibility for, for these things to, to happen. I mean, when I sat down with James Johnson when he first came in, um, you know, he couldn't believe in terms of the pathway for the current MPL to the A League is actually non-existent because mm, of the crossover, exactly. the cro- mm-hmm. because of the crossover season. So exactly, aligning aligning football is very very important. Broadcast is still very very important. Um, you know, FFA TV, which you've spoken about, which we're seeing all these uh, yeah, streaming providers good, now. Good discussion about that yeah. for sure. Mate, they're getting involved um, all over the world, and it's not new. Um, but again, these are kind of discussions that um, we'd kind of been having and and also pushing. Um, so I'm sure that's that's 
going to play a part also in the future of Australian football. Yes, and I guess sort of what broke soccer Twitter uh, was the state of football discussion that uh, occurred. Well, there's actually, there's actually been three of them, uh, one with the, uh, Matilda's discussion. But uh, that was really something that I took a lot of information from and to see uh, a bunch of people I grew up watching, uh, the likes of yourself and, and Schwartzy and, uh, and, and Dukes. Uh, mm-hmm. the, from then, I'm, I'm sure that was sort of the the moment in which you guys realized that, you know, this is actually, we can actually uh, possess a, a, a real voice uh, being, because yeah, only a month afterwards, the, 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 the group was uh, was uh, yeah, yeah. was founded. So I was, it, it wasn't our first chat together, though, let me tell you. Oh, no, of course not. Just a, a public, public, uh, public forum, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I guess, uh, how do you perceive off the sport, giving that, Providing you that that pedestal, not pedestal. Providing you that that leverage to discuss uh, on a public scale. Oh, Optus, Optus were amazing, and 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 you know the likes of John Aloisi and myself obviously have done a lot of work, as does Schwartzy with Optus. Um, but they 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 look they were amazing. Uh, I think a lot of people maybe thought, oh yeah, that Optus were pushing themselves, but I can be totally honest and and say that they want the best for the game. They want the best for the no, game. Yeah, yeah. Richard Richard Bayless, obviously fantastic He's, person. Mm. Paul Meltz, uh, the producer. They did not know what our discussion was going to be. Um, but what they did do was provide us a, a platform to have a, um, a kind of no bars, uh, no bars hold in terms of um, general kind of chat about what we felt about the game. And, and I think that's why it got such great traction is because... Um, you know, it was it was raw. Um, it was uh, there was no uh, agendas, and it was just people that were passionate about football, and in particular Australian football, and how we think it could be better. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess the first instance of uh, the FFA responding to that conversation would have been the formulation of the starting eleven. Uh, were you involved in those discussions, and if, if you if yourself were, were going to be involved in that? And I guess uh, what are your thoughts on the current? Uh, steps that the starting 11 have taken and how is how does that how does that how does that differentiate between um, the golden generation uh look i'm not privy obviously to the starting uh, starting 11 because i'm i'm not involved in that uh, yeah exactly but, i was wondering you if know, you were involved we, in any we, of the discussions have, of joining it sorry no we, we have we have no sorry no i wasn't i wasn't approached to to be on the starting 11 um there's we've obviously got three three members from the golden generation um, on yeah on it which is fantastic I, I, I love the I love the concept. I love the idea because if you've got um, football people that are having uh, again good discussion at a level, then that um, is is certainly going to bode well for the for the game. I mean, the the great thing about us and and you ask probably what the difference is is um, the starting eleven or anything. Sometimes when you're inside an organisation, you're steered by the organisation, whereas because uh, you know, golden generation sits outside. We're independent. We, um, we we can take whatever direction we like because we're in control of our our direction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. That, that's 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 a benefit, and I think it's important. Uh, and I stress, I think it's important that you do have um, something that sits outside um, that is independent. And that is able at times to, to challenge the game because uh, we've seen, you know, over a period of years where, you know, just because it's uh, the governing body, 
doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the right decisions are made for the game. And yes, I, I believe that 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 is why it's very important. You have somebody that can sit outside that can, um, you know, that can keep that we keep talking about in Australia, that honesty and transparent uh, transparency, most importantly, accountability. And that's, that's what we can do by sitting on the outside. Yeah. And I guess, uh, obviously a number of things have actually occurred since, uh, the, the golden generation group was founded last week, the biggest news in a league in a league terms, uh, for the past couple of months dropped a new Fox sports deal, uh, obviously mm-hmm. for the remainder of the season, and the next season worth 32 yep. million per year and the FFA cup being the one casualty, which I guess, yep. uh, is, 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 we'll take it as it is. It's uh, it, it literally what I was about to say. Provides, <laughs> my notes literally says, do you believe this presents an opportunity for FFA t- for the FFA TV model to be implemented? I believe there were discussions made with the Liga graphics group who uh, deal with the MPL Victoria and Sydney and mm-hmm. Queensland too. Queensland. So, as well, yes. Uh, so, yeah. and obviously they have the MPL TV as well. So, uh, I guess speaking the FFA TV literally into existence, perhaps. Uh, what is uh, what are your thoughts surrounding? I guess we'll, we'll start off with the with the TV deal and how that affects the salary cap. I spoke to an agent yesterday. He uh, he mentioned that this will have a, a very uh, this will have a detrimental effect on the quality of players that will be brought into our league uh, in the next season. But uh, following on from that, uh, what do you think this casualty of the FFA Cup gives? Uh, the well, what the, what position are the FFA forced into uh, following this uh, these revelations? I don't think they're forced. I just, I, I just think that um, you know currently in terms of future of sport in general, it's it's allowed um, and will allow the FFA to explore um, other opportunities to potentially shoulder any uh, partnership uh, you know with Foxtel in the future. I mean, I think that Foxtel in the end were. Um, done the right thing uh, in terms of uh, didn't um, you know COVID-19 everybody's struggling and all of a sudden um, you know you were going to walk away from the game potentially or uh, really run the game into the ground due to uh, the potential deal that was offered they've done the right thing uh, and and they've kept their foot in the door and, and I believe that you know that would have been also in hope of a successful Women's World Cup bid which, is, which has happened um, but look, at the same time, there's there, there's going to be new opportunities for uh, you know streaming providers to to come into the marketplace, and and that yes. that that will drive uh, drive new revenues because obviously there's a different way of advertising and marketing and sponsorship and all those kind of things. Plus, um, you know, really to to encapsulate your own content to be able to push and and bring the game together as one. So. The FFA Cup, obviously, they're, they're, for me, there's an opportunity there. Um, and I think, yeah. Salary cap, salary cap. Look, I don't know what the the lie of the land is exactly at this stage for next season and what that looks like. Um, but you know, there there is a kind of a belief, you know, within I think a lot of football people at the moment is uh, may, maybe the salaries um, are a little bit too high in Australia. Um, yeah, we've we've heard that before. Mm. You know, so again, you know, okay, well, you might not uh, attract the best foreigners, but we don't attract the best foreigners now because we don't pay enough. So that that for me doesn't doesn't really change, and mm-hmm. um, it really um, 
you know, gives opportunity, which we keep talking about, opportunity for young Australian players. I think that they're, they're, they're now running into a, uh, a time where they're not going to get better opportunity. And at the same time, it's, it's down to clubs in terms of, uh, you know, their networks and how they recruit to, to be across other markets in, in other parts of the world to try and get good value. Uh, but exactly. Australia should, Australia should never be a place where, um, you know, people are coming for paydays. And that's even Australian players coming back home. They shouldn't be coming for a payday because, um, for me, that's, that's not what the Australian League is all about. So what? What? So what's your view on? I guess. Well, it was announced. I'm not sure if you saw in, earlier in the week. Uh, Macarthur, I believe, president uh, came out saying that they've signed four players that have never played in the A League, but they are um, yeah. Australian. So, do you? Yeah, I heard that. I heard, I heard bits and pieces of that in, interview with um, you know with, with somebody I know in, in Sam Krislovich, and yeah, I heard that there was four players coming and hadn't played uh, in, in the A-League that have probably, you know, had experience in second, third tiers in, in Europe. But again, they're not, they're, they're, not, they're not coming back for paydays. They're coming back because they, they have an opportunity uh, probably to, to, to get themselves in, in. Australia's a decent shop window. You do well. Obviously, we've got the, the opportunities in Asia um, as well as, as the, for the top, top players to go to the main leagues in, in Europe. But yeah, it, for me, it's a, it's a very inter- interesting time, and uh, it's not for me. Like, says the money in Australia is and shouldn't be at a level where um, that's it. That's that's your whack. That's that's all you can do. We should still in- incentivize players to want to be able to m- earn more, to want to be able to improve and go to bigger and better leagues, and we shouldn't be embarrassed by that. And there's far more established countries in terms of football that have exactly the same kind of model. And, and their aim is to develop players, to sell players, and that is what drives their business. And uh, another revelation from last week, you guys have advocated for a winter A-League for a, a very, very long time. Looks like we're getting a bit of a taste, obviously, with a restart of the A-League uh, in a month's time. Yeah. And with the season being pushed, uh, pushed for a December start uh, and mm. obviously concluding in July. Not quite there yet. It makes a lot of sense considering the uh, the Qatar World Cup and the struggles that uh, scheduling will occur around that. Uh, but obviously, just your your thoughts on on, on the uh, Winter A League and how this give this gives Australian football an opportunity to, I guess, number one, reset and to reengage with their uh, supporter base uh, through the MPL and uh, uh, the various yeah, well, the junior competitions. We are, we align football, which for me, is the most important thing. Uh, and then, obviously, to, to, to join or to, um, to match up with majority of the, the, the Asian Confederation, um, because that's where we play. That's our region. So that makes a lot of sense. And at the same time, rather than uh, end of season previously, where your contract expires at the end of May, uh, and, and you know, potentially losing players to Europe for no money, that time of the year, our players are protected, they're contracted, which means there could be better opportunities for the clubs here to actually generate more uh, revenue through transfers. But, but isn't that partly due to the fact that many A-League clubs still offer players one-year contracts? And I, um, we all get the, the discussion around that. It's, there, it's put in place for a reason. But um, obviously, as I'll go, on, I'll go into the, in the near future, these one-year deals are, are quite... Um, how do you how do you perceive these one year deals and I guess sort of the 
yeah, the, the, the notions surrounding that. Well, I mean, when we have no um, security in terms of what the future of the game looks like, then you're not going to see the, the, the three, four, five-year contracts that you see in Europe. Right? But at the same time, uh, you know, when I was overseas, there were players that were on month-to-month contracts. All right, so it's it's not it's not something that is unusual to me. It's not something that I haven't seen or experienced before. Um, with more security for our game in this country, more certainty, then you'll have clubs that will be more willing uh, to commit uh, longer-term contracts to the players that they believe have value. Because the reason why you put somebody in a longer-term contract is obviously to have them playing to increase their value to be able to sell them. Yeah, yeah, precisely. You can't, right. you can't, you can't achieve that. You can't achieve that on one-year contract. So that's exactly. again down to the strategy, the planning, the thinking of of yeah. the clubs. So, do you believe that Sydney FC, the the model that they've presented, obviously they've they've locked a lot of their players in for multi-year contracts? Is that sort of the model that A League clubs should be uh, moving towards in the near future? Do you believe? I I think any club in the world that have players that they value they should have those players on multi-year contracts because there's no way to realise that value if you're going to allow the player to run his contract down. Yeah, exactly. That's precisely right. Uh, moving into the uh, other dis- other key point that came out of, I'm guessing, these discussions that you had with uh, uh, with James Johnson, uh, they dis- the FFA dis- uh, sort of announced the, uh, the implementation of a transfer system, not quite there yet, uh, but they're definitely looking into it uh, in, in greater detail. Uh, have you been involved in any of those discussions intensely? And I guess what are the what are your thoughts on how this will look like in the near future? Obviously, at the moment, clubs can't transfer uh, players between clubs in the A League, uh, and obviously the salary cap uh, is a, is a big roadblock to uh, many things. Yeah, and look, I've not we've not had detailed conversation around about this particular topic other than we, we believe that it should be something that's introduced. And again, it goes back to um, you've got to incentivise uh, you've got to incentivise incentivise things for the clubs. So if they're developing players and then all of a sudden uh, their contract runs down and they go from one A club to the next and they're not compensated, then how can you expect clubs to to really invest in in, in in academies or to be developing players? So naturally, a transfer system within this country, um, you know, transfers, loans and, and all those kind of things and doing what happens all over the world is a natural progression and something that we should get to fairly quickly because, as I said, it incentivizes the clubs and, and, and therefore the players that they have put time and development and money and all those kind of things, love and care into these players, when they leave, if they're smart in terms of how they structure their business, they're rewarded. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 uh, the basis of football. I, I guess well, many would argue that we're at least ten years behind, fifteen years behind. As Mark Viduka said, we were on par in two thousand and six, and now we've fallen behind, which is a very unfortunate thing. I just like to go into the, uh, the sort of our the your vision uh, being on the on the Golden Generation website. I agree with all these points here. Uh, there are some points which I, I view are a little bit uh, depends the timeline in which this will be implemented. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. One that sticks out to me is that all A League youth teams to play in MPL one to under twenty three level. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, currently as it, as it currently stands, uh, many of the A League clubs across uh, the country 
uh, have oh. their youth sides playing in MPL two, MPL three. I think it's in the FC and uh, are in the MPL one. But uh, what, what's what's the time frame for this? And uh, will do you believe that this is feasible within the the near future? Uh, again, I, I believe that it is. Yes, uh, I believe that uh, you know certainly our uh, professional clubs uh, should have the opportunity to start there. That doesn't mean that, that they actually stay there because again. It should be on performance. It should be on uh, being at the pointy end of the table, not the bottom end of the table, and therefore your promotion and relegation. Uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of discussion around about the, in particular, the under 23 uh, age group in terms of trying to get the right amount of games um, for them. Yeah, for them at, at a level. At a level. Um, so I know that uh, Graham Arnold and the FFA and uh, you know, a lot of clubs in regards to, to the academy structure in having a, a separate kind of academy type of league. So, look, I, we're, we're, we're supportive of, of something like that that works for the football community. Um, yeah. So, but, something like, you know, so like for, the Y League. For Newcastle, the y- Jets. Yeah. Yes. For Newcastle Jets, for example, I believe are in MPL 4. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, That'd be State League 1, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, again, so if, if I'm a young fella, uh, and uh, Newcastle Jets uh, approach me, and I'm not ready for the first team. But uh, you're, playing, you know you're not what? playing at a higher level, high level enough. Yeah, you're, you're not playing at a high level. But you know what? Um, we we like you. We think you got great great talent, and and um, we think you got a, a, a good hopeful uh, potential career. And you're, but you're going to play in MPL four. I tell you what, I'm not I'm not going to Newcastle Jets. Yeah, exactly. And I guess uh, when you have young talents. Um, news just came in that Aiden O'Neill has been offered a two-year extension at Burnley. Just he, for yeah. example, himself. Um, you know, we, we don't want we don't want players who are contracted to Premier League clubs playing against these uh, the, an opposition which is uh, their semi they're realistically semi-professional footballers. Not trying to uh, downplay their achievements, but um, mm. these are these are professional clubs we're talking about clubs like you know the Melbourne um, Victory who are playing in MPL three, uh, which is quite, yeah. which is. I think it's unacceptable, to be honest. But uh, that's just my personal view. Uh, and obviously, in terms of the national second division, I'm, I'm due to have a chat with uh, the chairman of the uh, Australian Association of Football Clubs uh, very soon, uh, Nick mm-hmm. Galatis. Uh, Galatis. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, we'll get a, a lot to dissect there. Uh, but yeah. in terms of the timeline for the national second division, especially within this COVID climate, what do you perceive as the right sort of timeline for promotion relegation and uh, uh, I guess anything surrounding that as well as the uh, implementation of this uh, second division, which has been long awaited uh, within our yeah. community. Look, I don't, I don't think the, na- the national second division should be too far away at all. Uh, 12 mm-hmm. to 24 months. There's no reason why. Um, especially, that na- especially now that we've uh, aligned ourselves yeah. in the winter season as well. Uh, and potentially the salary cap being reviewed because the, the, the currently the same amount of money is not going to be there. So then all exactly. of a sudden, if, if, if there's a reset there, then the, 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 the difference, um, although it will still be significant, is, is, is not as big as what it would be um, normally with uh, the A-League and the, the second tier. So I think it's I think it's very realistic um, in regards to the promotion and relegation. Look, I understand that um, you know with the licenses and the way things look that you know for example a, a Macarthur Bulls come in this year and if they finish last they get relegated. That's not going to happen because of the license that they purchased uh, mm-hmm. and because of the, the the terms that would come with that. But I think we we need to be looking uh, like I said certainly in terms of promotion to be able to add new teams to the A League. 
to get to a level if it's 14 or 16 teams. So did you, uh, do you think 16 teams will be in the A-League by 2022, as you guys do say? Nah, well, look, whether they're going to be there in, in 2022, I don't know. But again, this is, this is I think, the, the, the ideal that people would like to see. Uh, that, that gives you, you know, a, a two-round uh, season of 30 games. You know, plus cups and, and all those kind of things. So, look, that's where that's where we need to be. Um, second, the second division, and uh, and again, you kind of I think by establishing a second division, um, you you get to find out very very quickly who those ambitious clubs are that actually want to be a part of that professional setup. Um, mm-hmm. So again, it's it's more I think more probably initially you focus on the on the promotion side of things to get the league set up. Um, and, and then it might be a little bit later, you know, a, a 12, 24 months later that the relegation side of things can trigger because all of a sudden, you know, you've given clubs a, a period to be able to bed down yeah, um, and to, to get to get up and running. But again, then football should always be competitive. You've always got to have that competitive nature. Winning trophies should be respected and it's very, very important because it's a results-driven business. But at the same time, if you finish and last every season, there's got to be, uh, there's got to be consequences as well. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And just, just into the, the discussion of, of the Winter A-League again, I, everyone seems to be very on board with this, with this proposition. Uh, James Johnson is obviously a visionary uh, within, this, uh, within these... Uh, within these times. But ground sharing is obviously considered to be a relatively big issue for, I guess, the Melbourne clubs and, uh, and, then, and the Sydney clubs. How do you yeah. believe that uh, A-League clubs, pre-existing A-League clubs, will be able to maneuver around this? Uh, just for some background information for the, for the audience, Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City are tenants at, a- at Amy Park, and they will have ground sharing issues with the Melbourne Storm and Melbourne Rebels. Uh, Sydney yeah. FC, they have uh, a lot of suburban grounds they're playing around, so they may have issues with their respective NRL clubs. Uh, mm-hmm. MacArthur will not have an issue, I believe. Uh, neither will Perth Glory. The Brisbane Royal are at Suncorp, so they will not have issues there as well. Uh, Adelaide United are, are safe as well. So um, how do you believe Perth that they safe. can move? Sorry? And Perth are safe. And yeah, I think I said that already. Uh, Sorry. Anyway, uh, how do you believe that clubs, I guess, within Victoria and uh, I guess, say Sydney as well and New South Wales, can uh, maneuver around uh, ground sharing issues? Do these boutique stadiums um, have to be fast tracked? Uh, do these MPL clubs like Melbourne Knights and uh, Heidelberg uh, upgrade their stadiums so that they're uh, good enough for A League consumption? Uh, look, I think. When you start putting um, stadium as part of a criteria, then I, I start to um, not shake my head a little bit, but I, I, I kind of go, well, the stadium deals currently in place at the moment are probably the, the, the biggest things that hurt our current clubs. Financially. Financially. So we need to find alternative venues anyway, right? That's why, that's why Brisbane Royal played at a Dolphin Oval. And I think I think I think that atmosphere is better there. If I'll be honest, uh, well, of course it is. Of course it is. So we're we're not we're not going into anything new, right? So when I keep hearing people say facilities, facilities, yeah, I'm, I played at Brisbane or Suncorp, and we had uh, games of rugby or rugby league the night before. So it, it's it's okay then, and that was us playing through the the, the summer. It's pitch quality. So always... It's pitch quality that, that tends to be the sort of debate here that that the pitch uh, will be, the pitch will be deteriorated. Of course, there is, but again, um, that doesn't concern me. That's a nice problem to have. Uh, for me, 
you know, just mm. saying that yeah, facilities are an issue we can't change. Hang on. What's the best interest of the game? All right. Okay. The best interest of the game is to play at this time for these benefits. Right. So when you strip it back, what's best for the game, then you make the decisions that are best for the game. You find solutions for the other things. The facilities, you find solutions. You, you, you don't think now with the success uh, of the 2023 bid, you don't think that governments and, uh, and we'll innovative. Uh, They'll definitely be innovative. Uh, for sure. They're going to throw, throw all sorts of money at, at facilities. Exactly. So this, this sort of acts as like a leverage for, for uh, future ground. Well, I mean, ground upgrades. I mean, it definitely Cooper Stadium is getting an upgrade. Uh, there's been yeah. talk on Twitter today about a potential uh, Tasmania stadium being built that could potentially uh, lead to an A-League team being established there. But yeah, yeah definitely, this this bit is really, uh, I guess it's we sort of the... We need big stadiums. We, we need big stadiums for finals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I, I know, fully agree. I mean, you know, yeah. Suncorp, Suncorp's a, a wonderful stadium, but it's not a wonderful stadium with 10,000 people in it. Exactly. For sure. And I guess, yeah. It, it's crowded. Crowd, crowd, um, I think what, what separates us from the other football codes is that we have uh, this unique thing called a uh, proper atmosphere. Um, we, you know, you have club, uh, supporter groups like the Northern Terrace or well, original style Melbourne, what they're called now, uh, the Cove and, and the, the RBB. That's what separates us. And if you have, if you have uh, these supporter groups in a, in a confined, well, le- a more confined uh, area where, you know, the, the supporters can, can hear the, the pure passion uh, emanating mm. from their voices. It's, it's really going to, you know, build the profile of our league. Uh, and I guess that's what really uh, saw the boom of Australian football in uh, 2012 to 2014. Yeah, and we got, look, we got to, there's obviously work that we need to do in terms of um, engaging and working with supporter groups exactly. and fans. Because I, I think previously, again, I think we've, we've got it wrong. Um, do you believe, we, uh, do we, you we, think ha, have you talked to anyone involved uh, on how this is going to occur? I guess uh, I'd say it's improved to a degree. I think uh, the fact that Victory's supporter group has has come back in in some form is is inspiring. The, the RBB has sort of come back as well. So I'd say it's improved to a degree, but nothing to to, to the heights that it was before. Nah, look, I mean, it's just it, it's something that um, I don't look. I know a lot of people do. I don't. I don't. I don't compare ourselves to other sports in this country. Um, and it's been, been nice to hear James come out with that recently as well. Mm, I can fully agree I with compare, that. I compare ourselves to other football countries, and 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 that 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 is my focus. Not because I'm being disrespectful to the other sports. They do what they do. I'm 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 not interested in in, in how they operate and how they go about their business. I'm interested about how we go about our business in football. So I compare about what's happening throughout the world in football. Um, and you look at you know you look at all the leagues around the world, and you look at the type of um, supporter bases and how they engage and how they're allowed to, to to support their teams. And we've got a lot to learn. And and in terms of allowing that platform for our fans to be able to support their teams. Yeah, I guess it really uh, sort of concludes my sort of Australian football discussion. We've got some uh, fan questions as well. Uh, a lot about your a lot, a lot about your career. I've actually got a really interesting question here saying uh, many people talk about managers having a philosophy with the tactics and styles. Is there such thing as philosophy for uh, you know football directors and uh, did you take your philosophy from your overseas clubs or was it just one that sort of just influenced you the most coming from I guess within yourself? 
Uh, look, I think my, my, you know, Brisbane Raw, apart from playing a, a supportive role, because uh, it was John Aloisi that brought me in, um, you know, the, the, the clear goals for us were, were a new training facility in the, in the academy. And, and we kind of set that up within two and a half years. And the reason why you set up an academy is because you want to develop young players to play first team football. Uh, I believe that there was probably eight or nine young players that come through the academy that played uh, for the first team during the, the, the spell that I was there. So that was a reward of, of a plan, but you could go to a different club and it can be a different plan. So exactly. look, there's the sporting director, the football director um, in clubs in, in, in countries and all over the world. Uh, look, it, it, it can certainly be a different type of job depending on what club or country you're at because, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's about uh, su- supporting what the club philosophy is uh, and what the, the, the strategic plan is for that football club. Uh, sometimes you have the ability to be able to go in and be someone that starts afresh and, and, and has been engaged to, to, to create and drive that. But a lot of the time you go into to a position or a role where um, the reason why you, you get in in the first place is because you adhere to uh, you know, what that philosophy is and you support that while you're in that role. And I guess, uh, what do you make of the links that have been made uh, for Riley McGree? Uh, Your former club Rangers have reportedly been interested in him. And as well as Lyndon Dykes has been a very uh, long-term target reportedly of of Rangers. Uh, There are are two rising Australian prospects uh, possibly playing for Rangers in the future. Uh, What are your thoughts on those rumours? And do you believe that those two players have the uh, ability to, to succeed at such a huge club? Well, I know uh, that there, there is uh, interest definitely in Lyndon Dykes. Whether or not that that, that business gets done, I don't know. Um, look, I'm, the, the Riley McGree one, I think, is actually just people pushing, uh, uh, you know, a, a an agenda. Spe- yeah, a bit of spe- a bit of speculation, you know, uh, because uh, you know I speak regularly with Rangers, and he's not he's not a name that's um, you know kind of been floated about in any conversation. Interesting, uh, okay. but 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 I know you know I know the Scottish League. Um, I know that domestic scene very very well. Obviously, I played twelve years there, so I've still got a lot of great friends and, and yes. connections and people that are working within the game there. Uh, not only at Glasgow Rangers, so uh, yeah. you know I, I think I think the Scottish League is is a is a fantastic platform for mm. Australian players. You know, you look at you look at Lyndon, who um, you know pro, he, he wasn't getting a sniff here in Australia. Um, that's that's a story of, and a half, I think. That's a that's a story. That's a story right. and a half, to be honest. Uh, yeah, and, and, yeah, and he's, he's he's from. So I think it was you know just when we come into to Brisbane Raw and and that it was around about that that time or just before, and he he was like a lot of a lot of kids, I guess, were um, extremely frustrated with a lack of opportunity in his own country and and went over and made he's he's grafted away and and slowly worked his way to a level where he's got. You know, some decent clubs looking at him. He's had a good season um, yeah. at, at Livy, and he's he's done well against the likes of the Rangers and and also Celtic. Yeah. Um. And now he's gonna he's gonna have a an opportunity to to be able to move on to to bigger and better things. I'm I'm sure. But Riley McGree, I think, is is probably uh you know when I look about what's happening in Australia and I look throughout the teams, Riley McGree is the player that um I think is the 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 next one that that should go. I think he's probably the the best the best talent um, that we have in the country at this particular moment in time, in terms uh, of you know. Azani, 
is Azani? Obviously, I've seen your comments made about Azani, but obviously, I think yesterday he he flew he flew back to Europe, um, where that destination is probably will be England. Uh, probably would uh, train at Manchester City for a while, but yeah, I think Azani. I think Azani will have something so- sorted out that that probably yeah. won't be in England, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah. So you be- sure. so you believe that he'll sure be that. going to somewhere in in Europe? Obviously, not in uh, in Scotland as well. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see Azani playing his football in the UK. Um, but I don't, I don't know where he's going to end up. But I, I think for the type of player that he is at the moment, and from uh, the the lack of minutes and football that he's had, uh, he's he's probably going to have to look, look somewhere else to to find some first team football. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm not talking about Azani because he's already in a he's already outside of Australia. You know, he signed. He's you know he's, he's I'm talking about Riley McGree in terms of the Australian A League clubs with players that he. Hit. Oh yeah, yeah, fully agree with you. Yeah. If fully. I'm if if I'm a if I'm a club overseas and I'm I'm, I'm looking at the Australian market, then I, I'm continually sort of like coming to Riley McGree. Yeah, just, I fully agree with that. And and I guess why do you think players like uh, Lyndon Dykes and I guess more recently as uh, George Timotheo. Uh, slip through the cracks, slip through the cracks of these A League clubs, and are able to start yeah. for Schalke in the in the Bundesliga uh, what, last season, obviously. But uh, do you believe there's sort of a, a talent identification problem within Australia? There's also a young uh, uh, player within. I think he's in the Roma Academy. I, I'm not sure what his name is. I think uh, yeah. signed to Francesco Totti's agency. So, uh, yeah. is there a reason why these players? aren't being sort of scouted and, I guess, really utilised by these clubs. I know George was contracted to Sydney FC for a while. Sydney so. FC, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, the biggest, prob- the biggest problem is, is, is there was, you know, when, when these players left, there was 10 teams. Mm. So, yeah. it's, not, it's, it's not that we don't have talent in the country, but, uh, you know, even like George, for example, when he was at um, Sydney FC. So, you got Wilco that's been there forever. Uh, and, and you had Geordie Baus and all that. So, again, you know, a successful team uh, then doesn't normally allow the, the opportunity of a, of a young central fe- the defender to be playing, like George. Um, you know, so it's lack of opportunity which drives players overseas. Um, mm. So that's, that's why it's important that we have, uh, you know, 14, 16 teams, a national second division, because these players will be exposed to, to, to more opportunity. Um, we'll still have players and we'll still have the better players that are going overseas because that's, what, that's what's going to drive our national teams in terms of performance. Um, but, yeah, that, that's the norm. We have a lot of players that, unfortunately, just don't have the, the opportunity. They get frustrated. And, and in the end, they feel, because of you know, how it's kind of sat here in Australia, um, they need to go and try and chance their arm kind of thing and some have some have been successful which is fantastic but you know there's a lot that they get stuck in other countries and uh, not play at a very good level at all but they'll still stay two three four years because they probably feel embarrassed to come back after two months yeah i guess it's a, a real discussion that must be had and uh, we'll definitely seek to embellish on these uh, conversations uh last one being uh i'm sure <laughs> this would be hard for yourself but uh uh, this comes from a Rangers fan. He says, uh, we've been trying to get a club to appoint Craig as an Asia slash Oceania scout. Uh, yeah. Could you ask his thoughts on this? <laughs> yeah. T- yeah, yeah t- uh, who, what's the boy's name? All right. This is from Rule Rule Britannia. Ah, Rule Britannia. <laughs> Britannia. Mate, no. Nah, yeah, no. Nah, it's, um, mate, 
the answer to that question is, mate, I've, I've probably been trying for the last five years. They've just not entertained it. <laughs> uh, so yeah. tell him it's, it's, it's not through lack of trying I had a phone call last year with the sporting director Mark Allen um, to to sign Aaron Moy um, so mate, it's not as if uh, it's not as if Craig Moore has not produced opportunities to Glasgow Rangers for Australian players and we need people like uh, yourself and uh, many other players who could potentially, uh, you know, maybe we need uh, leads, you know, <laughs> Dukes and Kula uh, here. Maybe we can get a scout here as well to, to scout out. Well, that, that, that Jacob Burns there and Shane Cansdale exactly. Sheriff was at Leeds as, as well. Many, yeah. Uh, uh, Paddy, Paddy, Paddy Kusnorbo as well. Paddy Kusnorbo. Paddy Kusnorbo. Did, did Paul Ocon play at Leeds? I think he did. I'm, I'm, he played definitely in England. Obviously, he played in England. But uh, uh, let me, yeah. give, me, give me a second. Paul Ocon. Well. Yeah. Yes, he did play. He was at Leeds for uh, one season, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, look, at the, at the end of the day, like I said, we, we um, you know, we'll always try and, try and help. And, you know, all the clubs that kind of I, I, I had good experiences at, um, you know, the likes of Glasgow Rangers and Newcastle and Crystal Palace and Gladbach and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you're always following those results and seeing how the teams are performing and what they're doing. Uh, exactly. Character is important and the mentality uh, because, you know, they're, what they've probably experienced here um, is good in terms of if they're breaking through in, a, in regards as a younger player to be exposed to first team football. But, you know, go on, you, you need to up your, up your game again um, to be able to be successful. And, and, and what I mean by being successful is to eventually work yourself into to teams where you become a starting 11 player and an, and an influential player because then all of a sudden we know that we've got something that will perform at a decent level not only for their club but also will be uh, contributing to our national teams yeah and that's that's fantastic and I, I, you know every single point you you say I, I definitely agree with to to the utmost uh extent thank you for listening to the round the ball project with craig moore make sure you can access our patreon where we can give you exclusive access to giveaways, guests, and you can have your name read out on each podcast. Thank you to Lee Brox and Facts for being our first Patreon subscriber. Hopefully we can see many of you in the future. We have got some fantastic guests lined up for you in the next couple of weeks. Make sure you continue to support the project on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for being supporters of this wonderful podcast. I'm looking very forward to the future. What a wonderful week we've had. A Women's World Cup, a new Fox Sports deal, and plenty of developments within our game. 